if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holler if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. Ooh, I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we live in. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling? All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, well, actually, I guess it's more of an evening time. I always get confused with five. Um, I have another guest with me, uh, uh, Michael, or or is it uh, Ortega? Ortega? I'm Ortale. so awful. I just massacred this man. Ortega. That makes a lot more sense. Michael Ortega, he is a, a Green Party member that's running for Senate um, in Hartford, the state Senate. Um, and he represents yeah. the Hartford District, uh, District 1. And you can definitely check out his platforms and definitely donate to him. Um, I have the uh, link, which is www.mikeforct.org, uh, uh, right here at the bottom. Um, welcome today, Michael. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> um, and yeah, thank man. you so thank much. You about, we were supposed to do it earlier. Yeah, I know. Um, um, I had the uh, – so I had a – a podcast meeting with um howie hawkins yeah. he's the uh he's he was the um uh, presidential candidate for the green party back in 2020 um so, so you know um that was like that was an honor to to, to work with him and uh be on his podcast that's awesome that's really awesome shout out to howie i'm familiar with him mm-hmm. um i i i like i like i've said before to your uh, campaign manager manager i definitely try to do a lot as i can to help out with the green party i know i'm a psl member but we have a great friendship and it's great that we can show a coalition like this with me being a psl member being a green party member we're literally talking about the same issues something that the democrats right. and republicans or any other <laughs> group right. really can't yeah that's the problem with capitalism but uh i want to uh since you're new to the show i want to get like a good brief background for the audience so they can like know uh, what you do? Uh, you're an entrepreneur. You have a you used to have you used to have or you still have an independent uh, music label. So um, I had a record label for a few years. Um, mm-hmm. It was essentially a dissolved, uh, you know, uh, during the pandemic because there was we were literally gearing up to go on a tour, and you know that oh, wasn't wow. possible with the height of uh, the pandemic. Um, not only that, but I have a small comic book company out in the Philippines um, that oh, is wow. also suffering now. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm actually in the process of getting uh, animation done for it to possibly uh, get a Kickstarter or GoFundMe to fund that project so that my artists can focus solely on, uh, you know, uh, on that creative project. That is called Umbral. Um, so I'm hoping to get the support for that for the next two years. We don't need a lot for that. Um, and, you know, hopefully that series blows up uh, the way it should, because it, that series so far is at 30,000 reads and 2000 subscribers with an abysmal budget. So once we get an actual budget for it, it'll be it'll be like the next big thing. Oh, OK. Absolutely awesome. So you got a lot of things lined up. And one thing I love is uh, reading your bio is about um, how you got involved um, as being an activist. And we had a crazy 2020 years, not even just talking about COVID, just the, 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 the conversation about racial injustice finally comes back to the forefront again, as it always keeps coming back. It, people right. do the best they can. I mean, you see it now, you see Democrats, I guess we're already getting to this point right here you're seeing democrats and uh we're going to uh racial uh justice uh which is part of his uh one of his uh issues that he takes up 
um, during for his campaign, everyone, just to clarify while we're getting right into this. Um, but yeah, you see, you see that um, even the Democrats are, you beat Joe Biden saying, oh, we don't want to defund the police. We want to give them more money. We want to yeah. give them everything they asked for to make them feel better, to make them feel that they're being protected as well. <laughs> it has literally turned into that conversation so fast. It's funny how both sides are so bipartisan and, with that. Right. You know, and it's, it just goes back to like, can we truly depend on the Democratic Party to represent uh, the needs of the people? And, you know, um, and I don't believe that we can, you know, that's the reason why I joined the Green Party, because I feel like we're living in a duopoly right now. And that duopoly has the same perspective. Just one appears to be more liberal, but at the end of the day, they're on the same page as the individuals who are conservative. So now, do we right. truly want to continue uh, with the party as it stands now? Or do we want to make a difference and start to build up our own party and that's what my attempt is with the green party um in regards to racial justice uh, i began my journey in the advent of the murder of george floyd and it was a wake a wake-up call for me um you know these issues have always existed but it was time for right. me to step up i had essentially got a calling i don't know if it was spiritual or universal or what it was but it that that voice that that calling that spirit told me that i need to run I need to do something. I need to march. And that's what I'm mm. doing now. I, I uh, Well, that's what I did is I, I decided to go out in the streets and and everything just almost came together in divinity. You know, um, people people marched all over the state of Connecticut. We had let uh, hundreds of people throughout the streets, thousands of times. And, um, and that mm. was all for justice and to hold our police accountable because individuals were dying here in Connecticut. Same same situations happening right. here. And those stories don't make uh, national news when somebody's shot and killed by the police or um, uh, or uh, brutally maimed or uh, rendered paralyzed, as the most recent case with Randy Cox. Uh, ben Crump right. came down to Connecticut a, a week or so ago. In uh, regards to that issue, a, uh, a man by the name of Randy Cox was rendered paralyzed um, after he was uh, not uh, sat uh, in the uh, in a police vehicle. And, right. You know, and uh, that's because of their negligence. And we have that right. issue with our police, where they feel as though they can can get away with treating their because they're they believe that they are above us uh, goes right. back to their origins you know being slave catchers. right you know uh so we need we have an obligation to acknowledge that and, and start the comparative process uh to change the way we view policing the way we view police they don't need more funding our police officers don't need tanks and assault rifles and and things like that what they what they need is uh to get out into the community and do more community engagement and that's if we even decide to continue going with what is known as our police mm. force as it is today i would prefer if we have more mental health supports in the community um mm. more access to mental in our community more access to jobs um more access to uh opportunity and that is the way that we can elevate and get out of this position that we're in but instead uh, and it's not even though you could tell it's not about money because our government has no problem spending all that money on keeping individuals incarcerated opposed to just funding the programs that individuals need in order to not commit crimes. Uh, we're, we're doing we're working in the opposite direction. We have always worked in the opposite direction. How about we pay uh, for more programs, pay uh, nonprofits to start more programs, job training? Put more mental health force in the schools uh universalize our early childhood education system so our children can go to school for free so that individuals living in poverty have the support that they need and you know support the, the people who are the very foundation of this country of this country you know we built this country on our backs yet we don't get the respect and support that we need
Hold on, I can't hear you. Sorry about that. I muted my mic to make sure that okay. there was no interference. Um, so yeah, you said a lot of really, really great things. Um, and I think I think what the ask is that you are giving is honestly um, something that a lot of people will freak out about, but also have to understand that what we're what's happening right now is not working out. And there's other countries that have actually have practice um, what you're asking for. It's not even it's not even like this is a totally new idea. There is other countries that have first responding social workers compared to cops. There's other countries that have these type of systems of, of incarcerating someone, but it's, it's a rehabilitation, not selling them out, not, not basically using them uh, for the rest of their lives off of free labor and, and slave wage, very, very slave wage when you're in prison. A lot, a lot of these, uh, just building up infrastructure or guaranteeing good jobs, all these things, they work in other countries. And America is very good at making it sound like, especially with the police issue, there's no other way. Um, and we we have to continue to remind them that there is other ways. <laughs> right. You know, and it's sad, you know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You know. Um, but hopefully, uh, once I'm in office, I'll be able to uh to make some change, some some significant change here in the state of Connecticut, um, by mm-hmm. Ensuring that you know these these uh, supports are gone out because we have things coming here like nine eight eight, which will coincide with our two one one, that's supportive to our houseless population and our uh, people who are suffering from a mental health crisis. The thing is, is that those systems that they the way that they are right now, um, they are currently operating the same way that our police um, responders are. Um, and we need to make sure that they do no longer do that, that we have a system more akin to the STAR program out in Denver. Um, that's something like what we need here in the Connecticut, and it needs to be fully funded. Now, housing is another one that is a very, um, it can become a topic that a lot of people do not want to hear because they automatically think that if you, really wanted housing, whatever you're doing, and you become homeless, that's your problem. Um, I remember having conversations like this with, with a lot of individuals. And I get it, the working, uh, our working class, we don't really see as much as what's going on in, because we're so busy working. So that's why it's so important to have these conversations. But there's a huge like fear pushback against it. Um, even if you mentioned that there's more condemned places in the, in, in the city, houses in America, actually, that that are the population of condemned houses is larger than uh, the homelessness in America, which is absolutely astounding. That automatically caught my attention. Um, but what is your plans? What do you what do you what is what do you think that you can do to advocate for housing? There's a lot of things that I actually have for this particular issue that reflects some of my viewpoints back when I was the president of Black Lives Matter. What we need is transitional housing. We got a lot of people who are complaining about the existence of shelters and what that means for their neighborhoods and things like that. Well, we just need transitional housing, uh, group home-like structures that support individuals who may or may not have housing security, who may or may not suffer from substance abuse or alcoholism. Um, We need places for individuals like these to have a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, however many chances as they need, because what people don't understand, I don't, I don't know why, but people seem to think that we are all supposed to exist on a monolith where we all need to get up, go to work and behave as if we are ants. We are human beings. And even if we were ants, sometimes ants get caught in hazards. They get caught in water. They get caught, they get stomped on. That's what happens to people too. And in those events, they don't have support, but again, we are not ants. We can support each other. We can create the systems and the infrastructure needed to to provide the aid that people need. Um, we have a everybody for themselves mentality here in America, uh, right? But it doesn't need to be that way um, because we have enough of a structure to support everyone that exists here. Um, whether you have problems, richest country not, in the world. 
You know what I mean? And you just yeah. think about it, like you were saying, there's millions of houses that are um, vacant right now. And that uh, right. that amount of housing that's vac- vacant is about three times the amount of the homeless population. So if wow. we really think about it, we need to make sure we can, we can afford to house individuals. And, you know, we don't even need to do it for free. What we can do is create transitional housing. Um, and that can be funded by, you know, federal dollars or or however we get the funding. It could even be funded by the people if we get enough of a supportive program. It could go uh, for Black Lives Matter 86. So we had a, 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 pro- a program that we were attempting to start called the uh, Neighborhood Housing Initiative. And what we were going to do is we were going to get 20,000 people to contribute a dollar a week. And essentially for less than uh, the cost of a cup of coffee or a donut, you would essentially be putting your money into a pot where the where the community could buy housing, um, group home like settings and fund the uh, social work and the uh, supports for the people who can occupy these spaces. And those people can be put through a transitional program where they can elevate. Um, I want to do something akin to this, whether it is uh, something we can do on a state level or something that we can do by funding nonprofits that have already gotten these uh, the groundwork done for, for things like this. And what's going to happen is our, our population, uh, our homeless population in Connecticut is a few thousand. What's going to happen is we get a few yes. homes in, in different areas. Um, we'll see people start to elevate out of poverty, start to elevate and no longer need the supports that um, that that uh, they are not getting now. They're not getting the supports. We see people who are panhandling on the corners of the street, people who are struggling with substance abuse, not having safe places to do their drugs and maybe even get help. Um, right. We can get these people help. We can support them. Uh, and, it, and it's not an impossibility, whether it's community-based or uh, you know, through the state. And we also need to be making sure that when these housing projects go up, these these big old apartment buildings they keep putting in Hartford and all over the state and all over the country uh, that no one can afford to move in, that yeah. they have uh, low income, low, low income accessibility. 50% of all housing projects that go up, all apartment complexes that go up need to have a low income precedent. Like we need to make sure that low income individuals have access to housing so that they can elevate. We got archaic systems like Section 8, where if an individual makes too much money, their rent goes up. So they have no opportunity to save and elevate out of Section 8. So how is is it? It doesn't make any sense. So how are we supposed to elevate and, and no longer need the supports if we have no opportunity to save a residual income because you are going to charge us more for for being a part of Section 8. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, if we had the supports, if we had systems around us and and the ability to save and create generational wealth by buying our own housing and and things of that nature and and just elevating out of poverty, then what we would have is a stronger economy. We'd have a stronger tax base because with more working individuals and more entrepreneurs coming um, from these, uh, from a competitive market, whatever industry you're a part of, will have a stronger tax base. And what does that mean when you have a stronger tax base? You have a lot more support. More money is in the economy now. If everyone is able to elevate out of poverty through transitional housing, whether that's three years, five years, however long it takes you to buy a house, now you have generational wealth. Now you're paying property taxes. So now your schools are better funded. And that's just if we're talking about getting better funding from the, for the schools through property taxes. We could go, you know, even to a deeper conversation about how we should be making our, our schools um, less less property tax centric and uh, more funded by everyone. You know, supporting the education sector with everyone's assistance. That way, we can achieve some equity. Now, you are a teacher. Yes, I am an educator. I've been an educator for a few years now. I'm a substitute teacher now. Uh, but before I was a substitute teacher, I was a, a pre-K, a preschool teacher for two years um, where we specialize in early childhood education, you know. Mm-hmm. Another major tenet yeah. of my campaign. Yeah. 
that's really that's really that's really good because you have that experience. I don't think you fully understand uh, struggles that teachers go through in the United States more than someone that actually does teaching because there's just so much. Uh, teachers are always ostracized a lot. They're like always being questioned what are you telling my child or it's more of that instead of people looking at the structures of these schools and what and the people behind it and and all this stuff it's a lot <laughs> you know uh i would say and and people you could give me pushback if you want but i believe that education and educators that's the most important job in the world your doctor mm. had a teacher your your therapist had a teacher your mother was right. a teacher. So to me, when I think of an educator, I think of the most important career in the entire world. And for it to be completely uh, ignored and unsupported and um, underfunded to me is a disgrace to what we are as humanity, um, how we have elevated on a social level, on a, on a mental capacity, on a, our, our mathematics, our physics, our understanding of the world around us. Uh, we could be so much further. We could be so much further if we chose to educate people, uh, you know, more proficiently and fund that area. But instead, we we got a lot of money for the uh, military and not our right. education system. <laughs> you know, imagine uh, if you fund our education. System. Yeah, you know, fund our education system as well as you fund our military. And I'm pretty sure we would get to a point where we wouldn't even need military because we'd have right. so many people who are so smart. Um, they'd be they'd be uh, they'd probably have figured out what world peace looks like, you know. Right. Um, that's I, I just. But my point is, if we if we funded our education system, our 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 uh, our growth would be exponential. Um, we'd have so much in the arts. We'd have so much in the sciences and the mathematics. Um, we would elevate, you know, um, if we funded our early childhood education system to be universal, uh, much like our, our education system is now with the public school system, then we'd have people who are who are having a, a, a solid foundation when they uh, go to elementary school and they'll elevate. And what people don't know right. is if you have a solid early childhood um, education, you're commit crimes because you have a stronger foundation you have more knowledge and more more ability to uh progress so if we have right. all these supports if we have all these supports we fund our education systems pay our teachers better have the social emotional and mental supports in the schools from support staff then a lot of the issues that everybody keeps complaining about wouldn't even exist or they'd be a lot less likely to occur right i agree I just uh, just talking about poverty and the crime rate. Uh, for instance, like I, I noticed, a lot of people that are talking about in New York used to live in these nice, extravagant uh, places in New York, and now that that everything is, let's see, rent is like what An average rent in Manhattan is five thousand dollars. So that means yeah. a lot of people are, are being displaced, and no people can afford that. So the crime rate automatically is going to go up, especially in Manhattan. So I'm seeing a lot of these white privileged uh, people that are in Manhattan. I hear it all the time on the radio. It's always a white person. So anybody get mad at me about that, I'm sorry. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> They're always like, you know, this was a nice neighborhood. Now I can't even do a jog on the Hudson without having a pocket knife in my hand or something like that. And I'm just like, it wasn't like that before. So now you're seeing what we have been seeing, what we was raised to see in these streets and stuff like that is finally at your front door so i don't see the crime rate as going up i see the crime rate as just moving around because this is what late stage capitalism is <laughs> they're they're now I mean, seeing and you know <laughs> if we really put things into perspective man if we had more opportunity in our neighborhoods then there wouldn't even be any crime if the right. if the government focused on job creation and making sure entrepreneurs had the the upward mobility that they need in order to create jobs, and we're not talking about the the, the five corporations or however many corporations right. that run everything. We're talking about individuals like myself who wants who want to start a drink company, 
who want to start a comic book company. Uh, you know, these these creative uh, industries that that could be bustling, you know, uh, could be could be creating jobs and creating so much opportunity for people. But instead, you know, we, we choose not to um, we choose not to offer opportunity. And instead, um, we veer away from it. And we know why that is uh, systemic right, racism. Right. You know, right, it's, it's right. not it's, it's not because we don't have the money or the ability to do it because we do. Right. And I'm sure there will be some 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 missteps on the road, but that is the that is the uh, growing pains of what an economy looks like in general. So we can't even use that as an excuse. You know, some businesses right. fail, some uh, some don't. And what's going to happen is, you know, a business like mine, uh, say say I do get the traction that I do after we we continue releasing uh, future chapters. Uh, what are they? gonna tell me they're gonna be like uh you know what what can anyone tell me i'll uh i'll be able to to rise you know i'll be able to to grow my my campaign my my organization my uh company and i would have been able to grow it a lot sooner had i been had given access to capital you know and and that's just the, the ugliness of it as being a black person in america uh they say you gotta tie yourself up by the bootstraps or some some nonsense in reality man <laughs> we don't even got we don't even got the opportunity we ain't even got laces to do all that right you know and that's just a <laughs> metaphor but we we don't even have the ability to, to to tie ourselves up with by pick ourselves up by the bootstraps when we got so much things on our backs you know right. and to be quick about that and to be quick about that, when we talk about opportunity, I definitely, for, for I, I definitely can say as a testimony that is something that, uh, that I can see the contrast in because I was in trouble a lot as a teenager until my mother was like, okay, we're going to get you into this performing arts school, and that became literally all my time, and I fell in love with it. So I, so what happened? Right. I stopped getting in trouble. Why did I stop getting choked? Because exactly. I wasn't I didn't have to be on the streets anymore. I was in I was in the school in Trumbull learning extra stuff after doing my extracurricular activities at the other school. Like I had a lot exactly. of things. Exactly. And that's they don't have that in the hood. And that was that's what and that's what brings me to, to the education piece is you know, even just on a local level, why aren't we just providing funding for the kids to have something to do after school? So that like if they want right. to curate a program around, uh, let's say I, I started a, a comic book, a comic book club at the end of uh, the school day when we had bus, we had bus duty, which is when kids used to go in the room and wait for their bus to come. So within that hour that we were waiting, uh, kids used to just draw comic books and things. And I say, you know what? How about we just start a comic book club? And that was a way for kids to express themselves and get into something. And the minute that the bus, the bus, uh, the bus waiting thing stopped, kids lost that opportunity. Now, if we had the mm -hmm. funding for at least two hours a day after school for kids to engage them, if they want to start a book, a uh, book club or a board game club or any kind of club that keeps their interest rather than just uh, some recreational activity just to occupy their time, you know, like the simple after school programs that we have now, Programs based on interests. Higher staff, you pay $50 an hour, two hours a day. That's $100 a day, um, you know, just to come in and, and teach the kids how to sew or do anything, you know. And right. if we had that kind of attention, that type of support, then, you know, kids would end up finding themselves a lot sooner. They'd find what their interests are, you know, and they'd progress. They'd grow. Right. And just like you said, you, you had the opportunity and it changed your life. It you did. Know, the I didn't care much about hanging out in the streets or anything. I was too busy playing video games on my free time and, and also doing mad plays. Right. And it takes a lot of work to do plays. You got to memorize all the lines right. and all that shit. <laughs> you have time You're to proof. get in trouble. <laughs> You're proof that like investment in children's interests can change their the course of their life you know right. yeah that's this is a really this is a really good conversation um because that's just something that i always talk about 24 7 especially when people 
are saying like, oh, well, it's a different generation. Why is it always a different generation? It's still, there's still kids. There's still going to be kids. <laughs> Just give them more yeah, opportunities. Man. Don't say it was different now. That's an excuse. It doesn't, the thing is, is now we're, we're more socially aware of the problem. You know, it's, right. It's crazy that people could still use that as an excuse when, uh, you know, back in the day they were getting bullied and, and picked on and all types of things. And then they had to deal with it. And then they wonder why they're alcoholics and they're dealing with all this depression. And now, you know, we we, we fight against all of that stuff and, and people could be doing better. But now they're depressed for different reasons. Now we're financially depressed because we're unable to elevate out of these these current economic, uh, you know, holdings that we're in. So now we now we may not be dealing with uh, some of the bullying as much, but we do have to deal with bullying on cyber level. There's still much much of that going on, but we are dealing with newer stressors on top of that because now we're more aware of what's going on. So how can we proceed and elevate over that? You know, um, there's so much room for improvement, and people seem to used to think that uh, America was this perfect place. Whenever. We were never perfect. We're always we've always had room for improvement. The thing is, is now, um, back in the day, they would go to different places all over the world and they would learn. You know, our government would learn. They would. That's how we got our highways the way that we have them now. Not to say that our highways are anything that great anymore, but we went to Germany and they discovered the autobahn and they said, you know what, we need something like that here. And so I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, man, that's the history wow. of our highways. You can look it up. And that's uh, how we got our highways as we are today. Um, and there was a bunch of things that we've done in that manner um, throughout society where we've, we've learned something and, and, we, and we brought it over here or we made a relationship with a, a foreign land and they were able to, to give us something for, a, for a, a nicer cost than it would have been afforded here. And that's how our economy, our global economy is created. You know, there's just so much learning that we've literally turned our backs on and then wonder why we are in these dire straits, you know, because we've turned our, our backs on the rest of the world and we could be learning from Sweden. We could be learning from Denmark. You know, we could be learning, um, but we, we choose to do the opposite and just try to figure it out on our own when it's already been figured out. Right. 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 And then moving on to your uh to to wanting to know something else I wanted to bring up on your platform, um, healthcare, which is whoo, there's there's so many people in Connecticut alone that do not even know about the qualifications of getting into Husky. Um and right. there's just so much debt, so much debt that uh, that just on Connecticut alone. I know it's a huge global thing as well, but or a national thing as well, because some countries got free healthcare. In fact, we're the only right. first world nation that does not have free health care. I, I like, like for exactly. everybody to remember that we're the only one. So, um, what what did what are you what are your plans for that's because, So, so that's because we are a country ran by corporate greed. You know, that's right. the reason why we don't have universalized health care. And in the state of Connecticut, what we are, um, what has been introduced, I believe, during the last session, is a a bill to consider uh universal husky you know so um mm. we may be able to get something you know we may be able to get something akin to a universalized healthcare system here but you know who's to say i believe that it's something we absolutely need and we need more protections for individuals right so a big big major part of my my campaign is to you know enact legislation that provides more protections for black and brown women uh because black and brown women die at a higher rate um they suffer from malpractice at a higher rate when giving birth to uh to children in america 60 out of 100,000 women die giving birth in america so black women specifically black and black and brown women specifically 60 out of 100,000 uh versus 20 out of a hundred thousand of white non-Hispanic women. So mm. let's consider that that's that's three times the amount of a black and brown children that are dying when their mother is in labor. There's a problem. You know, there's there is, a lack yeah. of uh consideration, and it's not like our population is more, 
Our population is yeah. less, yet we're dying three times the amount. You know, that says a lot about our medical industry that is, is very racist. And part of my belief that uh, we don't have universal health care now is because people don't want to support disenfranchised communities of color. So a lot of, most of the reasons why I believe we don't have a lot of the social safety nets that we have now is because people want to be individualized in charge of their own destiny in spite of having a bunch of uh, shortcuts and uh, support that they've had through generational wealth that was afforded to them by racist systems. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have that. And they feel as though they have earned that. A lot of individuals have not earned it. They're coming off right. the backs of slavery. Right. Even corporations are coming up off the backs of slavery. Um, you know, Mark Cuban started something where they're cutting a the middleman between drugs and people. Um, and that has been doing great. It's something that I wish had been around um, this entire time because it's cutting yeah. the cost of our medication. And, you know, yeah, hopefully that's, that's something that uh, continues to get support and growth so that we don't have to rely on these corporations to give us insulin and other other drugs. We can get them for a lower cost, actual cost uh, for what they are, you know, until we reach that point where we are at a universal uh, universalized healthcare system. There's so yeah. many ways that we need to go about this. You know, so many issues that we need to fix being a, a, a first world nation and not having universal health care is ridiculous. You know, we have so much focus on our military, you know, so much focus on our military spending instead of focusing on making sure that we have uh, protections of the people. It's crazy to me. You know, a lot of people aren't going to want to join the military at some point, um, no matter how much you want to advertise it. Um, We're already seeing it with our police force right now. People don't want to be police officers, you know, because there's no Mm -hmm. faith in that system. We are seeing what it's doing to the people. You know, so yeah. so what do you what do they think you're gonna have? We're gonna force the draft again to get people to 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 fight. You know, it's, it's oh that's scary. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, we're gonna. I feel as though we're gonna get to a point where you know there's not there's not enough people enlisting. No matter how much you try to, to lure them in, um, with with cars and 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 housing and education and things like that. When those things should just be afforded to us, and then we'll we'll be inspired to fight for our country like this is a beautiful place we have people to protect we got our, our assets to protect you know but instead we got people dying uh from disease got people suffering from disease we got um high rates of asthma in black and brown communities high rates of diabetes and hypertension in black and brown communities. you know and I'm that's because advocate. of the, the, <laughs> the food deserts and 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 uh poor environment that we that we are surrounded by garbage being processed in our neighborhoods, water being right. uh, treated in our neighborhoods. It's it's a lot going on in our neighborhoods that could be uh, that's killing us, you know. And so it sounds like Michael, you're world. saying enhancing public safety is also great for healthcare as well, too. And and, and by, by what do you mean by enhanced public safety? Like you talking about? I'm talking about environmental protection. Yeah, there we go. That's what I was... Environmental environmental protections. You know, right? And that's a big part of my campaign, too. You know, um, there's ways for us to create a circular economy um, using our garbage, where our plastics can be recycled to be reused in the ways that they were used in the first place. You know, a lot of people seen that type of stuff in Futurama, you know, like where Mm -hmm. a person got the sandwich that was recycled into a new sandwich. I don't want anything as crazy and outlandish as that, but <laughs> that that idea can be used in practice for our plastics. You know, right? That idea can be used for our composting. So, with our food waste, we can grow more, grow more uh, vegetation because we can compost it and create uh, things for our vegetation to get nutrients from. So, there's ways to create a circular economy, not maybe not by definition. Um, but it, it could be our garbage could be repurposed. Um, big thing for me is use of technology that could melt down our garbage to strengthen our transportation infrastructure. Because uh, there's a way we could do that using plasma arc technologies. 
What it does is it will melt down our garbage at high heats, closer to the temperature of the sun. Um, it won't burn it. It'll melt it down. And it won't cause any carbon emissions. And what happens is it uh, melts down into an aggregate that's a, akin to gravel. And that gravel mm. can be used for road construction because it is rendered inert. It's 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 a process that's so strong that what it can do is it can it can uh, even render harmful chemicals inert. So that tells mm. you that it's possible for us to create a circular economy, uh, uh, treat our garbage the way that it, it can be repurposed to do other things like uh, actually be recyclable because a lot of our recycling the way that it operates now is bogus it's fake right it's just all right. thrown into the same place and it's it's right. piled up and, you know we don't need to do that anymore when we can melt it down our roads are gonna uh you know give out eventually so we need to use that and uh b- build our roads and uh continue to uh create a circular economy because um, wow. if you drive through Hartford now, man, you drive through Hartford now, there's some crazy potholes. You damage one <laughs> oh, of yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy, you know? And, and right. if we had a circular economy with our garbage, a lot of that would be alleviated right on the spot. But no, our transportation right. budget is abysmal because we don't have the, uh, we don't have tolls in Connecticut. So we don't have that to supplement our um, transportation budget. So the money comes from all over the place, comes from anywhere we can get it allocated. And instead, we could be cutting costs by creating this new new uh, circular economy here. And that's what I'm hoping to instill once I'm in office, use a plasma arc technology so that we can maybe even lower our transportation uh, taxes. So you probably even see lower costs at the pumps until we um, move over to uh more sustainable technologies like electric you know electric cars and, and things of that nature wow i've never heard of this idea this sounds like a, a really good still proof idea because a lot of people don't know yeah, I, recommend it. I recommend so much we, a lot of people don't know we throw away so much like they say that basically half the food that we consume we all we throw away the other half in the united, in the united states that's how much food we we waste, and exactly. we're, we're throwing shit in Africa now because China doesn't want it, and that's ruining Africa's ecosystem. A lot of people don't know that those solar panels that everybody is so excited about having, they over time, very quickly, break, and mm-hmm. there's nothing they don't know what to do with them. So they dish them to Africa, and it's destroying their ecosystem. These are studies that people can look that's up crazy. now that. It's coming out to light yeah um right so it, that's, instead we could be building a circular economy this more recyclable right. future where if it doesn't work anymore and we can't use it again then we could turn it into road material you know what i mean there's 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 always something that we can do and as we elevate and and learn more this technology has only been around for but so long um mm-hmm. it's, i believe it's only been in, in general practice for about uh about 20 years really you know um so fairly that's new. why it's it's, it's it's fairly new it's fairly new i mean yeah. there have been iterations of it throughout history but as far as what i'm talking about on the on the scale that i'm talking about um where the 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 they're creating biofuel and creating um you know aggregate for the roads and things that has only been around for about uh two decades so if we get wow. this investment do some r d which can Continue to build on this technology. Who knows how far it can go? I'm envisioning a, a world where we have cleared our oceans of all of the plastics that are that are in it, um, you know, right. and melting that down and, and turning that into repurposed uh, plastics and things. I think it's possible. You know, I think if we just build up the infrastructure that we need, we'll see exponential growth of our planet. You know, um, extra exponential growth of the health of our planet and and that's the goal man we're killing our planet we got people talking about leaving going to the moon going to the mars so you could destroy right. that too <laughs> yeah, man. Come on. right <laughs> that's the only thing that's going to happen to mars if we get a colony up there humans are just going to make it worse <laughs> That's a big fact right there. <laughs> i love i like that you brought that up because a lot of people are excited about that and i'm just like 
we can't even get our shit done around here. Why yeah, we need to get our we need to get our shit together. <laughs> Let's get our shit together here first, and then we could talk about what we're gonna do on Mars. You know, right, right, right. Because then you're gonna end up having some crazies up there doing the same shit. You, you know, you got right. You know what? We're gonna fill Mars up with garbage now. <laughs> that's yep. That's a bet. Or the space. <laughs> Right. Every part oh, of space man. that we can get, <laughs> like look at our solar, not our solar system. Look at our uh, our planet. It's literally so much debris around the Earth that's in space. Right. Like we literally circled the whole entire Earth with our satellites and broken debris of whatever spaceships they try to put up there and rockets and all that stuff. Like that's what Mars is going to look like when we're done. Right, right. I don't want that, man. I think that we need to be taking care of our planet. We need to, because I mean, our our land mass is starting to disappear because we're creating so much carbon emissions. You know, right? It's melting our polar ice caps and it's it's consuming our land. Look at look at this heat wave that we're experiencing right now. That's a ninety what ninety eight degrees all week. Never felt anything like this. No, especially you know, not in life. Usually, New England shifts. <laughs> I have not. Never felt it out here right. before, man. Damn, yeah. Crazy. I will. I want to thank you so much for coming on, Michael. We're getting close to the ending, um, and I don't want to take any more of your time. I definitely uh, want everybody to definitely check out his website, uh, his campaign website, uh, www.michaelforct.org. Donate. I'm. That's what I'm going to do as soon as I get off with him. I'm going to go donate as well too because we need candidates like this. And this is why it's so important to not just focus on Republican and Democrat party. Um, last thing: is there any is 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 there a, a Democrat that's opposing you or a Republican that's opposing yeah, you? Yeah. So there's there's a guy by the name of John from Farah. He um he's uh the incumbent. He's been in office for 26 years now. I want Has people to think about shit? that. This been in office for 26 years. 26 this demographic, years. you know what I mean? Like he's been uh he's been representing a demographic for 26 years now. And the other day, a few about a few years ago, he said to a black woman who was who was lobbying in the Capitol, she had a stands with black women pin on. It's like mm-hmm. right, you see, I have a pin on my collar, it says stands with black women. And he comes up too. to her, you know, and he says, um, I should wear a stands with white men pin. And he says, uh, maybe she should take a, a walk in his shoes one day, walk a mile in his shoes one day. And she was at loss for words. What? And and this is a, a large portion of his district is black and brown. Right. Uh, no matter. Right. I guess he went through some sort of rehabilitative training. But if if I have to go through some sort of rehabilitative training to represent my district, I don't need to be representing my district. Same way with our police force. If I got to go through rehabilitative training to do a good job being a police officer because I keep fucking up, then I don't need to be a police officer. You know, no one needs to, 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 to be in these positions if they need to be taught how to um, to represent their community. To me, that doesn't really make any sense. You need to be retaught how to represent the community, the place that you're from. Right. I, that does that just sounds illogical, you know. Um, I don't need to be taught that white uh, that that black women need support. I don't need to be taught mm. that uh, that uh, white people have more support than us because I can see it. You know what I mean? I can see it in my neighborhood. Right. I can see it. I don't need to be taught these things. I don't need to be taught that uh, that black women need more protections because I know people who are struggling. You know, I know I don't need to be taught that uh, early child education needs to be universalized because I'm an early childhood educator. I see it firsthand. So I'm a, a direct member of this community. Um, I see these things firsthand. I don't think anybody who can't see the issues or at least communicate with the community that they represent on a regular basis should represent their community. And that's why I think that everyone in office needs to be an activist. If you are not an activist, then you cannot effectively represent your community. An activist knows that they need to fight for what their community needs. If they see an issue, they see it, they talk about it. 
that's what needs to be in office. Everybody needs to be an activist. If you're not an activist for any specific issue, well, then you can't you can't run for office, bro. <laughs> you shouldn't even want to. What are you running for office for? What are you doing? What do you why do you want to do this if you're not going to help protect the people that you're elected to represent? So right. that's just my opinion. Um, old man need right. to go. Uh, to be honest, there's <laughs> a nice. democratic hold on the on the state of Connecticut. There's a democratic hold. People will just vote Democrat regardless of of what they stand on. Um, and you know that needs to change. I'm hoping that people will wake up and see that I'm a good candidate regardless of the party line, uh, opposed to voting for the party line. Let's vote for the individual. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming on. Um, and. Definitely yeah, wish you best of luck. Um, and shouts out to the Green Party and shouts out to everybody, all the freedom fighters. And I hope everyone have a really good day. Thank you so much, Michael. Have a good day. Blank period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you really feeling this. Gotta holla if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred, ayy If you don't like it, then fuck it, ayy We gonna win in the end, yeah We gonna live in abundance I gotta keep it a hundred, ayy If you don't like it, then fuck it, ayy We gonna win in the end, yeah We gonna, we gonna, we gonna I gotta keep it a hundred We gotta stop all the stunting You know we coming from nothing Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing We gotta do something different We gotta change how we living we gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you just. Hey everyone, if you like the content that you're hearing, uh, please support the show. Uh, we have subscriptions up right now for a monthly dollar a month or up to whatever donation you feel uh, comfortable with, and also. You can hit my link bar, which is in uh, the description of the show, uh, to send me donations for Venmo and Cash App. And all this goes into bringing in better quality and also better content. So thank you. Have a good day.